Hey, uh, this is E.A. Gamore. Thank you so much for clicking play and joining the Unpacking Africa podcast, where I explore ecosystems in our communities and figure out ish on the African continent. Join in, follow at 4IR Africa on social media, and let's stay engaged. March Madness. The first quarter of 2020 has absolutely been mad. We started the year with, obviously, New Year's resolutions, the opportunity to try and do better. And actually, some really interesting records on how connected the world was, in spite of nationalism in different countries, the opportunity for tech, uh, kind of like the general consensus that maybe the 4IR wasn't just this interesting word in conferences and new ways of doing things, but people were just moving on with it, taking it for granted that we potentially lived in the fourth industrial revolution and we could own it within our community. Well, welcome to this podcast. My name is E.A. Gamor, and Unpacking Africa seeks to answer questions for ourselves, to have conversations, and to dig a little deeper on matters that affect not just the world, but the way Africa does business. Hopefully, through these conversations, I get to share on a couple of segments. One of them is unpacking our (laughs) professional lives, in which way do we explore world of work, how are we enabled, what are the constraints, What does work look like, especially with the gig economy, contract services, and different things happening in different economies? Another segment would be, how do you make legitimate money in Africa? You're probably laughing at this, right? Because I'm qualifying making money with legitimate. Well, it's actually a great question because a lot of economies are growing on the continent, but there's also a lot of poverty and not enough equity. So if you're young or you're a professional, not super young, And you're wondering, what industries make the most sense? What business practices have the highest return? And where is the hype? (laughs) Maybe this segment is for you. Unpacking our culture. I am such a stand for culture. And African culture is everything that I live and breathe, from fashion to music, uh, to language, to travel, to different expressions that really let each community feel validated. So this segment will be exploring a little bit about that as well. But unpacking the news, and I really didn't think that this segment would take as much prominence as it has, Uh, but for this first maiden episode, obviously the news is going to be the most pressing thing because our lives have been changed forever by coronavirus. COVID-19 seems like this really interesting, strange virus that's come out of one of our worst horror movies and something that health professionals and practitioners have been scared for for a couple of years now. There's a TED Talk with Bill Gates speaking to the potential of a respiratory virus that is insidious in the sense that once somebody is affected by it, you don't immediately see it, but it's able to transmit from one human host to another. And because of some of the things I mentioned earlier, the fact that we're globalized, we get to travel so much, the transmission rate globally happens exponentially over a short period of time. And where the real pain point happens isn't just the victims of the disease, but it's actually the collapse of our international health systems as we know it. So it's been surreal to pull back some of these TED Talk videos uh, from the early mid to 2010s. And it's also really interesting to see like TV shows and books around these kind of doomsday prophecies. Well, I'm speaking to you now uh, from Johannesburg, South Africa, and... This is a couple of days into a national lockdown. 
And as we go into April, and most of you will get to hear this podcast more in April, there are going to be lockdowns in multiple countries, not just from China, um, where in the Wuhan district it started off, but from different countries in Europe, in Latin America, uh, in the United States, on the African continent, and the Arab states as well, with mixed kind of responses. So before I get into unpacking some of these things, um, there are two things that I would love for this today's podcast to cover. One of them is to hear from friends that, um, gratefully, I have from all over the world who are sharing their perspective, and they're giving their snapshot of what it feels like to be in their world, in their city, somewhere across the world, as we're wrapping our minds, not just reading about, but as we're wrapping our minds as individual citizens in dealing with the coronavirus. Then the second thing, really, and this was a little bit planned as I was thinking through this podcast, um, has to do with remote work and what that means for the transition. So there's a fantastic Medium article um, that speaks to remote work that I'd be sharing. And also an, a good friend of mine, Kimberly Ofori, who mentions all the ways in which you can adopt remote work. And it's really interesting because Chris Hurd, who writes why the 2020s will be the remote work decade, created all the predictions but did not predict what coronavirus would do for the ways of working, access to our offices, um, the proximity of working with colleagues, and <laughs> the fact that we would not be able to do that in such a short time. We have submissions from Bahrain, United States, Chile, Nigeria, Jamaica, as well as Botswana, South Africa, and Ethiopia. Hello, this is Sarah Sabah of the Manama Hub in Bahrain. Such as all countries globally, we've also been hit with cases of COVID-19. Uh, the government has taken very quick actions uh, to limit interactions between people. We've been requested to stay at home, take prudent measures to limit interactions, and all commercial shops will be closed as of tomorrow. Uh, there is a curfew uh, currently being suggested and discussed and will be put in place potentially next week. We have around um, 190 people discharged who are now healthy, uh, 225 cases that are now active with COVID-19, um, and more than 25,000 have been tested already. We're amongst the countries with high testing rates and the ones that have taken quick actions from uh, the beginning of uh, the spread of the virus. However, we are still not out of uh, the situation and we all have to be very careful. As for our activities with the Manama Hub, a lot of our events have been put on hold or uh, postponed and our activities have been uh, pushed for uh, the undetermined future. This will not stop us, of course. We're still having our meetings virtually and we're looking to see how to uh, go on with our uh, plans and activities as well as help the community build itself together as a result of uh, the crisis with COVID-19. As for the rest of 2020, I really hope that it will have uh, a much better um, uh, scenario than what has been happening uh, during the past few months and looking forward to have the community become much stronger and more uh, collaborative uh, in its approach to handling crisis. I see as a good thing that's coming out of the situation is that 
everyone's going to be more careful and uh, in, in putting measures in place that will uh, help us be prepared for future crises. Um, so I look forward to working with uh, my colleagues and my friends within the hub uh, on such uh, measures. Name, John Montgomery, live in Jersey City, New Jersey, uh, right outside of New York. As far as the COVID-19 response in Jersey, we've been on a stay-at-home order uh, in the New Jersey and really the tri-state area uh, for a few days now, uh, maybe even a week. Uh, there's been a lot of adjustments uh, with that, so most of the businesses are required to uh, work from home. Uh, work remotely. I've been uh, working remotely for the last two weeks uh, for my job and, and moving forward for another two weeks. There's also an expectation uh, that things might adjust. Uh, from an organizational standpoint, uh, lots of things are changing. Uh, my company uh, is BASF. We're involved uh, with actually producing on the pharma side products that are used in drug trials for treatment of COVID-19. Uh, there's also high demand for our products in the home care space. So things like disinfectants uh, and sanitizers. Uh, and personally, I'm looking at how can I adjust my team uh, to handle more business critical or support more business critical areas uh, for the next few months. The New Jersey response in a heavily populated area so things that i'm changing really the times of going to pick up certain things um, like the grocery store going to walgreens now to actually pick up eggs because finding eggs in a target or trader joe's uh, whole foods those things have been challenging along with meat and orange juice toilet paper uh, paper towels a lot of these things are gone and trying to find the right time to go uh, given the workday is difficult. That's been a major change, but you might hear some reports that some restaurants are still open uh, and they're just doing takeout or delivery. But in certain cases, you might need to schedule that 24 hours in advance. So I uh, went online or went tried to use one of these uh, delivery apps. And to my surprise, I had to schedule it 24 hours in advance to get an order. Uh, so that was uh, a major change. That's the first time I've ever seen that. Uh, <clears throat> as well as trying to use Amazon to have uh, Whole Foods delivered in the area is an option. Usually you can get something delivered within two hours. Uh, but earlier on, it's it was sold out, or I shouldn't say sold out. There was no availability for days using that service. Like I tried to go online uh, to pick out certain items and many things are sold out. But then when I tried to select a delivery option, I had to wait four or five days in certain cases. So it seems hit or miss when you find availability. So I went online yesterday after one of my conference calls, I had a conference call at 6 a.m. Uh, after the call, I was able, I decided, let me just check Amazon. And then there was availability. But when I checked a few days before, later on in the day, it was, there was no availability. Things like that um, have been more difficult when it comes to growth. What I'm looking forward to uh, right now is getting back to traveling. Um, had a, a, My cousin's wedding was actually scheduled last week. I uh, had to cancel that. 
uh, the trip and she had canceled that as well. So um, I have some work trips overseas. Uh, I was planning on extending to do a little bit more traveling as well. Uh, just seeing friends and family, that's something I'm uh, really looking forward to getting back to doing. Uh, and then simple things like going back to the barber. Uh, my barber's closed. Uh, I'm trying to use YouTube videos to figure that out. We'll see how that goes. Um, and going back to the gym instead of doing my uh, quarantine fitness routine. Hi, my name is Alejandra Salazar. Um, I am Peruvian, but currently living in Santiago de Chile. Um, well, here in Santiago, the, the situation is not quarantined yet, but we are in a state of emergency. That means that we um, need to, to be at home from uh, 20 hours up to 6 of the morning next day. But anyway, all the companies here in Chile just do the voluntary quarantine. So I am working from home and I am, sa I am safe in home right now working. Um, but I am very worried about uh, why the president didn't put the state of emergency in, in terms of quarantine yet. Quarantine yet. Um, and looking forward that he can do it. Um, I understand all the economics and social um, uh, things that means that, that probably a lot of people can afford staying home day to day. But yes, we are almost with uh, 1,000 people contagious with the virus and uh, the virus is spreading very, very fast. So I hope that the president has a plan B uh, with this. My work is very affected because I have several meetings during the day uh, presentially, but at the end I can do it by, by call, conference call, but it, it is not the same. When I try to do it uh, virtually, it's very difficult, but not, not only in terms of reunions, it's also uh, in terms of doing it, to, to talk with your team, to, to, to move with your team um, and achieve the goals that you need for the month. So yeah, it's very, very difficult, but anyway, we need to adapt to the situation. So yeah, the, the situation just changed uh, soon. Yeah, hope the best for the world. I really, really hope this this in one month more um, and not more than that. Hi everyone, um, my name is Ugo Chukuchukujiaka, um, based out of Lagos, Nigeria. Um, so the coronavirus response has been sort of increasing. Uh, it was first met with a bit of skepticism. Um, today being the 25th of March, uh, there's, there's the last day for those who want to go shopping to go shopping. Um, they'll be locked down from tomorrow, um, close of some parts of the market um, in, in Lagos, um, close of non-essential things. Um, for the bars and, and the restaurants and um, for religious gatherings, uh, that happened a few days ago but this is extending the shutdown to more, more verticals. Uh, how, is, how it's affecting my work? Um, so I mostly work remotely. So in terms of my own um, deliverable, not so much. Uh, but a, lot, a number of my meetings have either been pushed uh, or timelines adjusted for some things uh, which I have to uh, collaborate with a number of other people to work on. Um, so in terms of the future, I would speak of two futures. Uh, one is in one year. In one year, I hope the project I'm currently working on is uh, fully operational and that we're seeing all of our all of our hopes uh, and all of the goals which we currently set um, coming to pass. In 10 years, um, if things have not changed um, significantly or if there's no significant progress,
I'll be running for, for the governor of a state in Nigeria. Hi, my name is Stephanie Hazel, and I am from the Kingston Hub, Jamaica. Um, COVID response where I am, essentially um, what our government has, has declared is that non-essential workers, quote-unquote, will work from home. Persons who have to be in office are allowed to do so, but um, the structure for a lot of organizations have changed where they're, they're asking as many people as possible to work from home. Some companies have provided persons with laptops where possible. Of course, that's not necessarily wide scale because many companies can't afford to do that. Um, and so we do have a lot of the working populace still very much busy going to work. Um, for me, I worked remotely prior to COVID. Uh, as well as I work, I've worked in the entertainment industry. Um, I'm an actress, as well as I work in the field of media and communication. So a lot of what I did prior to COVID was remote, but all of that has been affected. I was in a play that has been postponed indefinitely. I have other arrangements and engagements that have had to be postponed. Um, and all of that has affected me in terms of work and income earning. I do have a younger sister who is in high school and schools are all out as well for the next, I think, maybe two months. It's been good because at least I get to be at home with her and that's helpful to my parents. So yeah, lots of family bonding time. Uh, my mother still goes to work, but she has less hours of work. Um, she works in the insurance industry. Uh, which is considered an essential service. In terms of projects with the Shapers, we, all of our activities have definitely been affected as well. We were just on the verge of welcoming in a new batch, a new batch of Shapers with a meet and greet event, which literally was supposed to be held on the day after we heard of the first outbreak in Jamaica. There are now about 25 confirmed cases in Jamaica, and so... From, from the 10th of March, we've, we've basically seen our country just adopt um, the whole process of locking down and um, social distances, distancing, staying inside, and all that kind of thing. Yep, it's been scary, but we're thankful. I don't know personally anyone who has COVID-19, but I do empathize with anyone who has you know, symptoms or has been diagnosed. Uh, we've been reaching out to our mentees as shapers. Um, that was one of our main projects right now, uh, a male mentorship program for high school boys. And so that's one of the ways that we're seeking to, to help as a hub by providing you know, emotional and mental support for these students and, and educational support in whatever way because a lot of them would have had major exams coming up that they were preparing for. And so whatever way we can help them in terms of that kind of help or physical needs that they may have, we're, we're working out a structure now to help to meet those needs that they may have.
Hello, EA and everyone. My name is Leonardo Nunes, and I'm from Santiago, Chile. And some of the responses that have been going on here about the COVID-19 crisis, um, currently we have 1,142 cases, and each day is a new measure that has been taken. So increasingly, the amount of tests being done by the government and medical authorities has been increased. I think for today, we will start with 3,000 tests being done daily, and maybe the numbers will go higher and higher for the next coming days or weeks. Um, here, only supermarkets, pharmacies, and other key essential businesses are uh, working. Most people and most companies have been sent home, even though some do not have the capacity to do that. The government has not issued a lockdown so far, even though a lot of the civil society and different groups have been pressuring the government to do so. But we do have a curfew from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m., which hasn't been well received as a measure and mainly it was done to avoid people gathering in restaurants, movie theaters, bars and different facilities like that. Um, how is it currently affecting my work? It has slowed down a little bit. Luckily, I have the privilege to be able to work from my home. Um, I work in the industrial chemistry sector with a couple of consumer products. Um, it has hit us hard, but we were already pretty slow down and with really low sales because since October of last year here in Chile, we've had a social upheaval movement that has been going really, really strong. A lot of revolts have been going on. Public transport has been burnt in some facilities and the metro and the subway system. So yeah, we... We're already living in a small crisis since October, and the coronavirus uh, hasn't been the best <laughs> to be uh, being hit with right now. And what do I look forward for the future? Well, talking more like on a big picture scale, I look forward to see a world where we can be more transparent, to have more open societies, where even though we have globalized our supply chains for products and services, we're still living in island nations that they've isolated one from another. So I believe like this is a big opportunity for us to have global solidarity where we can identify these issues and problems where countries could transparently share their problems and issues that require a worldwide collaboration for solving those issues because we have been shown that we are globally connected, so the solutions should be globally just like the problems that we will be facing in the next coming decades and the next coming years of the 21st century. So if we do not take the measures right now to enhance our connectivities as countries, we will see these and many other issues and problems coming from the future that will affect us globally. And because we were building walls instead of building bridges between our nations, they will keep hitting us as hard as COVID-19 has hit us globally. Hi, everyone. My name is Tulifalo Mokhabone, and I'm a global shaper from the Habone Hub. What a time to be alive. What a time to witness what's currently going on in the world. And to things just... Just a few months back, we were all excited to welcome the new decade. But the situation here in Botswana is currently under control. We have zero recorded cases. We have no known cases of corona in the 
in the country at the moment and we hope that the situation uh, remains uh, that way the government is doing the most trying to just contain the situation we've seen in uh, the past two days um, the government um, regulating the number of people coming in only the locals and the permanent residents are allowed into the country and upon arrival they are taken to quarantine uh, facilities uh, to be observed for 14 days we've seen the private sector more especially uh, hotels offering their places as free accommodation for those in quarantine and we've seen the minister of health the minister of trade and industry just um, being in the front line keep people at ease and trying to contain the situation we've seen the armed forces also being deployed to the borders to just uh, try and make sure that there are no illegal migrants coming into the country and um, all in all i believe that the government is doing the most to try and, con and contain the situation earlier on the president announced that we should prepare ourselves for an imminent um, lockdown which i believe will take place in the next couple of days and this has really affected our work um Eastern organizations are uh, starting to release their employees to work from home to stay home so that we we flatten the curve and this is a new uh, phenomenon and i believe that it will get some uh, getting used to but people are already working home they are already staying home uh, as, as directed and, and as instructed and as encouraged uh, by the government and personally, what do I look forward to post-COVID-19? I hope that the same energies, the same efforts, and the same eagerness that we used to approach uh, COVID-19 should be channeled to addressing climate change. Climate change has also become our reality. And I think we can take a leap and learn from the COVID-19 that when we pull together, we can be able to achieve something. And when we are not prepared and when we take things for granted, they will will um, definitely come and catch up with us. Thank you. Good evening and good morning to those of you in regions of the world where the sun is coming up. Um, my name is Aslam Levy and I am currently in Cape Town, South Africa, all the way down at the southernmost point of Africa. Our COVID-19 response as a nation thus far is that we are all bracing ourselves for a 21-day lockdown which will be starting on Friday. This is what has been announced by President Cyril Ramaphosa after the country surpassed the 400 case mark, which was on Monday. Two days later, we are now on 700. So I think the lockdown is definitely what we need. My concern is that Sub-Saharan Africa and South Africa have high rates of HIV, AIDS, and tuberculosis patients. We who already have suppressed immune systems, so I think the way our region faces the crisis might be different or more drastic. How it affects my work currently, I work in the provincial government. Public service is, of course, an essential service. So we've switched to using Microsoft Teams and we are working from home, but trying to keep the provincial government operational. And there are a number of comms channels that I'm currently working to get in place that we can communicate with citizens. There is a future after COVID-19, and for me, that future is about active citizenry and having citizens more engaged with the decisions that are being made by our governments and multinational corporations because they affect us all. And in the face of COVID-19, we see how these decisions have placed us 
into compromised situations. So there are some choices that citizens, I feel, should be more informed about and active about. One of them is national health insurance. When cases like pandemics appear, we definitely want to feel as a nation that our health has been prioritized. Also, understanding how much of our manufactured goods comes from Asia. We need to have conversations about how do we have sufficiency and security in terms of some of these products being developed regionally and locally so that we don't have such a dependence external import. So all of the best. Stay safe, guys. Hope to see and speak to you guys soon after we survived this crisis. Thanks. My name is Kal Khasa. I'm in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. And the COVID response is uh, probably going just as poorly as, as all the other countries. Um, we have 16 cases now, but only about 500 or 600 tests have been given so far. Um, regarding my work, I've been able to work home, thankfully. Uh, so have my colleagues, so not too big of an effect for me. Um, in the future, I'm looking forward to uh, an economy that's more digital and uh, more able to take on uh, crises like this. Thanks to Ezra from Maniema in Bahrain, John from Jersey City in the United States, Alejandria, who's Peruvian, living in Santiago, Chile, Ogochuku from Lagos, Nigeria, Stephanie from Kingston, Jamaica, Leonardo, also from Chile, Cholefelo from Gaborone, Botswana, Aslam from Cape Town, South Africa, and Kal Kasa from Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. We send our unreserved support to all the victims and families of those who have contracted the virus. We also send a lot of support to healthcare workers and frontline delivery workers who are going through and combating the coronavirus and COVID-19. So as we explore this global pandemic, this podcast also seeks to interrogate and unpack some of the already existing ecosystems and ways in which we could possibly improve them for human delivery to better serve our citizens. And there are six submissions I'd like to do, and these are crowdsourced from interviews, panelists, TED Talks, experts, who've shared what the current state of affairs are and which systems and management practices are being stretched out of their limits. The first is reimagining our supply chain. Uh, we have a lot of just-in-time business and logistics. Airlines are an example of businesses that are going to be hardest hit because of the pandemic. Another submission is the need for us to create local manufacturing hubs that are able to quickly produce either 3D equipment, health supply, but also medicines. So that when borders are shut down, especially in the case that's happened now, there isn't a risk of losing local supply and community supply. Another is really looking and overhauling the entire healthcare provision, as well as the healthcare education system. Bill Gates sends the submission that we might probably have to look at healthcare professionals as we do with military and have folks or health cadets on standby, not on active duty, but trained so that when we do have this, communities are empowered with individual health cadets who can showcase their expertise, but know exactly what to do without having to ship professionals from across the world. You and I may know of someone that wanted to be a doctor and has gone through a lot of struggle because of how the medical education system is built. 
we need a whole lot more people per percentage of the population size in multiple countries, and especially in the global south, than we do now. We also need to have advocacy on trusted groups that put out information that is relevant and vetted, especially online. So the internet, having all these platforms for information, they can no longer be on the fringes just for social purposes, but rather broadcasting. And so we also need to be advocates in vetting the information that we share, but also putting up relevant information. That way, when there's a need for timely information for our health, as has become the case with COVID-19, the misinformation and false news is at a bare minimum because lives depend on it. Another is also targeted monetary interventions, and it's been really interesting to see how central banks are reducing their interest rates in order to make sure that economies don't automatically collapse. What is also fascinating is sequence. You can have too much money thrown at the wrong thing without realizing where interventions are. And it's not like we have an unlimited supply of funds in order to tackle this global pandemic. And so understanding what models of targeted, if it's needed to be sequential or concurrent interventions, that one, plug the issue, but two, help businesses sustain themselves. So looking at insurance, also from health all the way to business, and what type of insurance measures do we have for small and medium-sized businesses that are going to be obliterated because of this global pandemic? Think about restaurants. Think about event spaces. Think about meetup spaces. Think about your favorite small mom-and-pop stores that deliver any kind of service. The last one is also on logistics and transportation. When we do have emergencies and pandemics, how do we use some level of either automated um, services, some level of analytical tools, logistics tools, but also keep transportation for things like food, for basic things, right? Ways in which we can have access to healthcare without it being detrimental to people having to go themselves in order to get that. So there's a lot of lessons. Hopefully, we're able to build ecosystems around this entire pandemic. But most importantly, equity. This idea that we have a free market and it controls what demand and supply looks like created a lot, a lot of hoarding, a lot of spiked prices, and especially for critical services. So for the economic wonks out there, what is the ecosystem that we can build that regulates these essential goods? These are some suggestions. I would love to hear other suggestions. Please let us know. You can engage with us at Africa underscore on all socials. We would love to engage with you more in the comment section as well. Thanks for listening so far. And we will now segue into the second part on remote working, how to communicate with your teams on best practices so that you can still be productive whilst we're all social distancing socially together. This is kind courtesy of a good friend, Kimberly Ofori. You can check out or contact her at KimberlyOfori.com. So although it's always preferable to establish clear remote work policies and training in advance in times of crises or other rapidly changing circumstances, this level of preparation may not be feasible. And recent developments have left many employees and their managers working out of the office and separated from each other for the very first time. Fortunately, there are specific research-based steps that managers can take without great effort 
to improve the engagement and productivity of remote employees, even when there's little time to prepare. So the first thing that is recommended managers do is to establish daily check-ins or daily huddles. And the morning huddle is a great way to get the team aligned on individual and company priorities for that day. The huddle is a really short meeting to share your number one or two priorities for that day. And so it's not a place to go over your to-do list. You will share your definition of done on those set priorities so that everyone understands exactly what you'll be working on today and when this is considered to be done. The huddle also functions as a way to recognize hurdles or bottlenecks that may get in the way of progress for that day, which then can easily be resolved on the spot by making use of the collective intelligence present. Avoiding people getting stuck for hours trying to fix something all by themselves, which is killing for productivity, right? And I recommend doing this via video conferencing too, always to keep that sense of human connection within the team. Um, secondly, provide several different communication uh, technology options because you will find that email alone is insufficient. So when it's time for deliberation, strategy sessions, team collaboration sessions, or any type of meeting that will take on more than 10 minutes by rule of thumb, use video conferencing tools. Being able to see the visual cues of meeting participants allows for increased mutual knowledge that can be tapped into and will help make meetings more effective. And of course, there are other circumstances when quick collaboration is more important than visual detail. And for these situations, provide mobile-enabled individual messaging tools like Slack, which can be used for simpler conversations as well as time-sensitive communication. And then um, you can make use of project management and tracking tools such as Monday, Trello, um, or Asana. And make sure to properly onboard team members on how to use these tools. For instance, by um, making quick instruction videos on how you wish they engage with the different tools available. And you can use Loom videos, for instance, to do that. And then it is very important to set rules of engagement. Remote works becomes more efficient and satisfying when managers set expectations uh, for the frequency, means, and ideal timing of communications for the teams. For example, you can decide that um, we use video conferencing for daily check-in meetings, but we use instant messaging when something is urgent. Make sure to communicate that clearly from the get-go, but also things like, a video always on policy for all video conferencing calls. If that is what you would like to see happen, make sure everyone has the opportunity to align with that by communicating this clearly. And lastly, facility management. Make sure to check in with each team member if they have access to the resources they need to work remotely. Aside from a PC or desktop, internet connection, mobile phone, 
you may find that you have one or two team members who are unable to create a space to work within their homes. And you'll need to think of other ways to facilitate that. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to stay in touch, check us out online, www.4irafrica.co. That's www.4irafrica.co. And if you want to contact me personally, I'm on socials at eagamore, www.eagamore.com. Thank you so much for clicking play and joining the Unpacking Africa podcast, where I explore ecosystems in our communities and figure out ish on the African continent. Join in, follow at 4IR Africa on social media, and let's stay engaged. Mm-hmm.